Guests, don't forget to put your white cards in the bag as they come by. Uh, that's your offering this morning. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, before Rifle, Pastor Rifle comes up and ministers. Uh, this is Pastor Rifle's last Sunday for about a month. Him and Tiffany are heading to Taiwan. And uh, they're excited about that. And uh, But uh, Rifle will be is going to be ministering this morning. And uh, at the end of service, we're going to pray for them and just lay hands on them as they go out because I know they're going to make a difference where they go there too. Praise God. Last couple of weeks, we had the joy to have a, a young couple with us in our church all the way from India. Uh, if you have not met Oscar and Esther, they're precious people. Come on up here. And uh, very good friends of David and Debbie Halcombe. And uh, they're an amazing couple. I had an opportunity the other night just to get, them, get to know them uh, a lot better. And uh, they just have such pure hearts for God. It's just so beautiful to see it. But they, uh, they are in India. They reach out to the Muslim population and see men and women that are of the Muslim faith come to Christianity. And so they are doing a phenomenal, phenomenal mission over there. <clears throat> So we're going to give them a couple of minutes for you to kind of get to know them and for them to just share very quickly a little bit what they do. We thank the Lord and thank Pastor Doug for giving us this time, this opportunity to share about who we are and who we work with. My name is Oscar Baptist and my wife is Esther, but we are Pentecostals. <laughs> We work with uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and we serve the Lord in Bangalore, in India, amongst the Muslims. And we have two other couples that work with us. I wonder if you know the statistics or the demographics of our nation. We have 1.27 billion people in India. And the Christian population is 19 million, but the Muslim population is 130 million, 38 million. And if you are to think about the workers that work and reach out to the Muslims in India, I could say that there would be just about 300 workers to the Muslims. That is against 138 million Muslims. So there is a great need for it. But in YWAM, in our ministry, around India, we just have 40 workers on the count. Just 40 workers. Nothing beyond, nothing less. And out of them, there are about six to seven Muslim converts who reach out to their own brothers and sisters. So understanding that there is a great need. I have very less time to share, but I just wanted to comprise it. But understanding that there there is a great need. And the Lord had brought us here for a conference to attend, organized by the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. That was a bypass for us to come and spend time with our beloved and dear brother and sister David and Debbie. So that brought us here, a time to relax and a time to charge up the the body of Christ as well. So we urge you humbly, we really urge you humbly to stand with us in prayer, to stand with us in support that the kingdom of God can advance. I just have this last scripture which promises us that when we all are into heaven, We're going to see multitudes. It's in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. It says, After this I looked, and there before me 
was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in the loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And guess what? The Muslims are amongst this. This one scripture, this one scripture that always strike, strikes my heart, which is in the Quran. It's in the, it's in the 19th chapter, verse 33. It goes like this. Jesus proclaims it. He says, Peace is on me the day that I was born, the day that I die, and the day that I rise again. Amen. Thank you. Amen. God. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Take a moment to do two things. One is to pray over Oscar and Esther. Esther didn't get to say anything, but she is she is radical. This woman, it, she is so radical. You know, you know. Praise God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this man, this woman. Father, we lay hands upon them today, Lord God. We thank you that the the mission that you have given them is not an easy one. But God, it's, it's just it's reaching out to people, loving people, loving people into the kingdom of God. Father, letting them know that God, Jehovah, is the only God. Father, and Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for the anointing upon them as they go back, as they leave. Tomorrow, Father, to head back to India, God, we pray that the, the doors and windows of your blessing would be poured out upon them in extraordinary ways. God, we pray that you would bring people around them that would support them and help them and work with them, Father. And we pray, Lord God, the things that are the dreams of their heart, the things, the passion, God, uh, to have that building, to have that place where as people turn to Christ and they get kicked out, by their families into the streets, that they'll have somewhere to go. They'll have somewhere to be housed, Father, until they can get back on their feet. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you put that dream within Oscar. Put that dream within Esther, Father, and you're going to fulfill it. You're going to fulfill it, Lord God, that it just won't be just one building, Oscar, but there will be, there will be many, several buildings that God's going to give you supernaturally. Give you. And that you may be able to turn around and use for places for families, for individuals that are coming to Christ, that they don't have to worry about they're going to be on the streets all by themselves with no means of support. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. I I, um, felt like the Lord uh, wanted to remind you that you've been asking him for keys. You've been asking him for keys. And that he's given you the key. He's given you his love that never fails. His love that unlocks the, the doors. His, his love that unlocks the city. So God, I, I thank you for your love, Lord. You, the, the love of God, which surpasses <laughs> every, every, every hurdle. God, I thank you for unlocking their city for unlocking these people groups, for unlocking the hearts. In the name of Jesus.
just as confirmation, the Lord had also given me the word about keys. And what I saw is the Lord saying he was handing you the key to unlock the Muslim people group in a way that had never been done before. And what had been known as hardship, the Lord says, is will be easy for you. They said that it's his pleasure to give you his kingdom. He holds the keys of the kingdom. And he's giving you the key to open up this people group in a way that is, is really going to be surprising. And the Lord just says that he loves, this is a word for everybody, he loves his Muslim children. He loves his Muslim children. And I, and I heard the Lord say this, who will love my Muslim children? Amen. Um, um, it's so funny because with the keys, the Lord said that he is the oil in the locks. Holy Spirit is the oil in the locks. He said, not by might or by power, but by my spirit, thus saith the Lord. And I saw the lion of the tribe of Judah guarding the homes, guarding your lives. I've already spoken this to you, but there are, there are going to be the supernatural will become natural to you. But I saw in the spirit this roar go out, a roar go out. Should anyone come close to the homes to touch his children? And I just heard the Lord say, what you once feared, ministering to this people group, you will no longer fear. Like Peter was released from prison by the angel. He walked right past the guards. You're going to be protected as you begin to partner with heaven. As you begin to partner with, with all of God's creatures that he's given you to partner with. And I thank you, Lord, for the angels that are going to become more manifest in their lives. And they're going to work together with heaven completely. We pray the angelic support upon them right now, God. We just pray, God, right now, as you have brought them to this nation, God, to show us about your humility, grace, and love, God, that you would just pour out more love, more power, more grace upon them, God. Oh, God, more grace upon their, the strength that they, they go, the, the adversity they face every day, God. Lord, I just thank you so much. I just thank you so much, God, for their hearts that are pure, their hearts that are in love with you, that they say yes to you, Jesus. They say yes to you, Jesus. They say yes to you, Lord. And they love you, God. They love you, God. I just thank you, Lord, for all the, the people that are there, the 40, that it will multiply into 4,000, God. Many people will be changed because they see the hearts, and their hearts are one with you, Father. So we thank you for that oneness. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Yeah, I just saw the fire of God fall on you guys. I saw the fire of God. Lord, I thank you for that fiery love, that fiery love that you're pouring it out on them right now. A deeper and greater measure of your love. A deeper and greater measure of fire that burns away everything that hinders love. Lord, I thank you that as they touch others, as they touch them, as they interact with them, that your fire is going to come all over them. It's going to be a fire of conviction, a fire of love, a fire of knowing their identity in you. God, I just thank you, Lord, for releasing that fire right now. The fire of your love right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I tell you, when you get a prophetic church starting to pray, it takes a while. You know, thank you, Jesus. Rifle, we're, we're trying our best to get you up here, my friend.
Guys, let me tell you something. Um, it says in the Word of God that when a brother comes to you and you're aware of a need in their life and you don't do anything, it basically says, how can the love of God dwell within you? This is, I wasn't planning to do this, but I know the Lord has instructed me to do this. Uh, I was talking with Oscar and Esther the other night, and I, I know that they're in desperate need of a form of transportation. They walk wherever they go. They walk all over the city to go and meet with people and to pray with them, bring them to Christ. And they have a need of about $1,000 to to purchase a scooter or something like that. Is that right? And I believe the Lord wants us to send them out when they can go back and they can buy that scooter. I believe that. So I want you to ask the Lord right now. We're going to do a, we're going to do a quick offering, but I want, I want these guys to leave blessed and, uh, they, they get back on that plane, uh, filled up, running over. You know, emptying out everywhere. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you that we believe, Lord God, sowing into lives and makes a difference, Father. It makes an eternal difference, Father. We choose to sow into their lives today to bless them, Father. God, in whatever manner that you, you would like for that blessing to, to materialize in. So, God, we give you praise today. Amen. So we're going to receive an offer. If you don't have prepared to, to give today, you can go onto our website. You can give, you can go into the other and put just Oscar in there, and we will make sure this money gets to them through YWAM, okay? So. Have Harleys in India? There you go. All right. Bless y'all. We love you, okay? All right. Right. Go ahead, Sean. Shane. Good morning, everybody. Okay. Edward, if you don't mind, please putting there our, our verse for this, this whole time that we've been meditating on, Second Chronicles 7.14. got 30 minutes. So I'll just tell you quickly the thing I was standing here and talking about the dryness of that evening. I said there were three things that I would remember. Two of them I have to write down. A third thing, what I'm about to share now, I do not have to write down. Our son, Nathan, he went with to this healing service. So he's sitting there in the front of the church with Tiffany, and I'm busy preaching like I am now. And the church is like this. There's only one entrance. There's one door like that to come into the church. So Nathan goes to the bathroom, and we're busy potty training. So Nathan says to Tiffany, his mom, can I go to the bathroom? So Tiffany says, yeah, okay, you know, you can go. So he comes back while I'm preaching. And I'm standing, I can't remember where I was. And the next thing, that door flies over, and I see everyone in the church, their attention is at the door. <laughs> There's no, they're not looking at me, the anointing is gone, they're all focused over there. Nathan comes running through the door with his pants on his feet, <laughs> butt naked. Mommy, mommy, ice, pee pee. <laughs> And he ran in there and praise God. I mean, we potty training. He went to the potty. It's success. Well done. 
What more could you ask of a three-year-old? So I just said to the people, if he was 18 and doing that, we have a problem. But he's three, so well done, my boy. You made a pee-pee in the potty. Go, go. So praise God. Okay, Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray... Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Have you ever thought in your life when somebody talks about something that you have ever said, ah, that's not a problem in my life, or I don't do that, that's not an issue for me, until the, the truth of God's word shines a little in your heart and then you realize that's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly me. So we're going to look at something today where, because you talk about submission, I don't have to go to that class. I've got submission down. I'm good. And the other thing is being humble, the opposite of pride. Ah, Not a problem in my life. I'm very, very humble. If you need a teacher for the class on humility, Pastor Doug, it's me. I will teach the class. I got it down. So, we're going to shine the light of the gospel today on humility. That is what God wants to deal with today. The first week when we started before our fast, it was fear. God wanted to deal with fear. We have to get rid of the fear. And now today, not strangely enough, but one could expect it after a fast. Because many, many, many times when we fast and pray, the first thing the Lord deals with is with our hearts. And he shows you stuff in yourself that you need to fix before you go and look for the splint in someone else's eye. (laughs) You've got this huge piece of log floating around in your own. So after our prayer and fasting, that is what God wants to deal with today. And even the words today, humility came out, submitting grace, all of these came out in the service so far. So that's just wonderful that we are right on track. Praise the Lord. Because you see, pride is very, very easy to recognize in other people's lives. Man, I can tell you, man, listen, brother, I see this in you. And, you know, you're doing the Pride is very, very easy to recognize in other people's lives. But not always that simple in our own life. Until the gospel of grace shines on the inside of you. And it's even by grace that he shows us that we're not walking in humility. And by grace we receive that and now we can repent and say, man... I'm righteous. Righteous people don't walk like that. Thank you, Lord, for showing me that, and now we can fix it. So that is what God wants to deal with today. When I was growing up in South Africa, I don't know if you had it here, we had little boxes. They're this big. On the, on, the, on the front it said, Bread of Life. It's a little plastic box. And you open it up, it's about four centimeters by a centimeter and a half, a little card. And it's got a scripture verse on there and Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you have that here? So, praise God, that's probably the only scripture a lot of people got, was running out the door, grabbing that bread of life, you know, reading the word, and now I've I've had my quiet time. (laughs) So, God can do so much with a word, so praise God you got that scripture in, you know. If that's the only word you get, get it. 
But we read on those things, I mean, you know, we, we, we quote and we love, for example, if God be for us, hallelujah, and you run out the door with that verse. Amen. Yay. Jesus. What a mighty day is lying ahead of me. Nothing can separate me. Yay, Jesus. Wonderful. The Lord is my shepherd. I. Jesus. Man, this bread of life is amazing. And then you grab this little verse. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful, and he opposes and frustrates and defeats them. And you may take that and think, oh, old covenant. (laughs) No, my friend, very, very new. (laughs) Very, very new. I'm reading in the new covenant, the book of 1 Peter, This is from the Amplified. I'm going to read that verse again in the Amplified. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, which means to be boldly rude or disrespectful. When you walk through Kroger and the lady at the till is having a bad day and things are not right, are we disrespectful? Because that's not good in the eyes of the Lord. The insulting, the overbearing, the disdainful, which means to despise and to consider beneath oneself others. The boastful, and he opposes, he frustrates and defeats them. Now you may be asking me, where's the grace in this? Please come. Just the next little part. But gives grace, favor, blessing. Empowered to prosper to the humble. So, there comes that grace and humility. So many times you may not think of something the way God thinks about it. So when we think about pride, it might be you walking around in church saying how great you are, every good thing that you've done, and you think that is pride. But pride has a very, very different definition in the kingdom. And we may not even realize that we are walking in pride because we don't read this verse and see pride for the way God sees it. And things may not be working out in our lives because we are walking in pride without knowing it. But praise God, this is why we're dealing with this, because the grace of God wants grace to reign in our hearts so that we can do what we are not able to do, but we can do anything through his grace that enables us. Okay. So let's just go 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 8. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Likewise, you who are younger, because he's talking here about elders in the church, how to look after elders, what the elders' job is to look after the younger. Now he's going to the younger people. I'm also talking to you younger and lesser of rank. Be subject to the elders, the ministers and spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe, apron yourselves, all of you, with humility, 
as a garb of a servant so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you. With freedom from pride and arrogance towards one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful. And he opposes, he frustrates, and he defeats them. But gives grace and favor and blessing to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourself in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. That is his will in all of this, is so that you and I can be exalted. How do we do this? Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at the times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Very different in the Amplified Bible, what humility and what pride really is. So in these three or four verses, it explains to us, it gives us reasons for doing these steps. Why do we do them and how do we do them? And what is the result if we do them or if we refuse to do them? So if we look at verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank, Be subject to the elders, the ministers, the spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe and apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance towards one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous. He opposes and defeats them, but gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. So verse 5 explains to us why we need to do this. There's a specific reason that God is trying to get this verse through to us. This is important, my children. This is why you need to do this. Verse 6. Therefore, Verse 6 tells us the reason for being humble. Why do I need to be humble? Why do I need to walk in humility? Verse 6, it gives us the reason so that God may exalt you. That's the reason. Why is humility important? Because God wants you exalted. That's his heart's desire for his children. So that is verse 6, the reason for being in that little paragraph there. Okay, let's go to the next point. Verse 7, because it says you are casting, sorry, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord, that in due time he may exalt you. Verse 7, it tells us what we need to do in able to be humble. This is the step. If you want to have that humility, if you, this is how you do it. This is the next step as to walking in humility. How are we humble? Verse 7. Casting the whole of your care. 
all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. That's how you do it. How do I live a humble life? By casting all your care upon Him. It's very different to the way we see being humble. You go to listen to a psychiatrist, this is you. No, God is a very, very different viewpoint of humility. How are you humble? By giving it all to Him. Why? Because He cares for you and He wants me exalted. That's why we do it. Okay, verse 7 explains that. How do we do it? By casting all your anxieties, your worries, your concerns once and for all. Now, if you do take Let's say this is your care, okay? So now I cast my cares upon the Lord. I take my cares and I cast it upon the Lord. It doesn't mean that there is no more care anymore. The care still exists. It's there. I'm not like a proverbial ostrich that sticks my head in the sand and says, there's no care, there's no care. The care is still there. The issue still exists. But it's not in my hands. So now, when I pray about that issue, my prayer is going to be completely different. Because I am not carrying this, and I'm not fixing this, and making this happen, and how and what. I am now just, oh, I'm so thank you, Lord, that I don't have it anymore. I thank you. It's not mine to worry about. I've given it to you. Thank you that you are so good. You care for me. You are looking after me. I know as I sit here and have given that to you, you are taking care of me. Behind the scenes, the angels are working. The Holy Spirit is moving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Completely different prayer life. And how many of us, how many of our prayer lives are praying with this in our hand? When it should be. That's why we do it this way. That's how the Bible explains this. Okay. So that's verse 7. Now, verse 8. We often hear, but most of the time, this verse is taken out of context. And we just take this verse and we throw it in there in any circumstance and we say, you better watch out because the devil is there is like a roaring lion. But you know what that verse is talking about? That, we're going to go through This is amazing. That verse is talking about you in the context of being one who is carrying your own cares. When you carry your own care, now the devil is able to jump on you, devour and eat you for dinner. That's what that verse is saying. It's in context of walking humbly before the Lord by casting all my care on Him or me carrying my own care. Because when I carry my own care, now He's walking around to see who can He jump upon. So that verse is taken out of context so many times and and placed in any circumstance. Um, Because I mean, we can go through Scripture. The devil is under our feet. Yes? No? He's under our feet. He's a, he's a defeated foe. Jesus took away his authority. Okay? All of that is true. 
All of that is real. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Then how is it possible that he can devour me? If I don't give my care to the Lord, now I'm carrying that and now I'm weak because I'm looking after this situation instead of looking after the kingdom. And now he can come and devour me. Now if I'm carrying my care, I can't quote, no weapon formed against me shall prosper anymore. We have a lot of quoting Christians walking around spitting scripture, which is a good thing. But they take a verse out of context and think, I can do anything, I'll take care of this, and then still think God's going to take care of it as well. One of you can take care of it, not both of you. That's what this verse is talking about. That's when the enemy is able to jump upon you. I remember in last week, for those people who were here, I, I said and I, about Pastor Bill Bennett, I said, he said stuff in 1993 to me that I still remember and that I live by. And he was doing a teaching, he was talking about different things, prayer, and then he, he spoke about pride. And he said, pride is an acronym. It stands for people right in the devil's environment. He said that in 1993. I still live by that today. People right in the devil's environment. Because when you are prideful, that lion is there and is looking whom he may devour. And now when you carry that pride, you are in his environment. Because that's not the way the kingdom works. So, by taking... This verse, these verses that we've just read, the opposite of these verses will be as follows. By not casting all our cares, all our worries, all our anxieties on him, by holding on to our worries, our fears, our anxious thoughts, we are prideful. That's pride. Holding on to your own anxiety holding on to your own fear, holding on to your own care, the Bible says that is pride. So is there something in your life right this very moment that you are anxious about, child of God? Are you carrying a care? Is there something that keeps you up at night when you put your head down on the pillow and you mull over that again and again and again and it doesn't go away? Because you see, according to this verse, it's not me, this verse says that for us to do that, do you trust Jesus enough to give this to him? Or do you think that you can take better care of yourself than Jesus can? Can you give that thing to Jesus and say, you know, Lord, you died on the cross, you came, you became a man, you did all of this, you, you were tempted with all sin, you did all of that, but this, this one thing I just, I know that you do not really care for me in this circumstance as much as I can care for myself. So you just step aside, I got this. I will take care of this issue in my life because I don't trust you. Enough that you do really care for me.
I will take control of this situation. That's pride. God goes against that. The enemy is there wanting to see who's carrying their own burdens and their own care so that he may devour them. Child of God, are you walking in pride today? And pride just means being anxious over something that I haven't given to God. Carrying something that is on my mind and on my mind and on my mind and I haven't released it into his hands, trusting that he is my caretaker. See, God sets up a chain of commands. There's a certain principle that he puts in the word. By which he blesses. And if we go against that chain of command, he can't bless us. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's his heart's desire to bless his children. That is what he lives and breathes and made available to us is the blessing. But there's certain things that we have to adhere to to enable him to bless us. Because if we go against what he says is right, he cannot bless us. He's not a liar. So he can't go against his own word. So if he says, if you do this, then I will give you this. You can't be looking and not doing this and expecting this. Because that would make him a liar. He's not going to lie. He can't lie. So he set up a chain of command through the way that he blesses humans, his children, people on earth. Tiffany and I want to bless Nathan, my son, our son, in so many ways, like every parent, every good parent does. We want to give him, ah, man, I've got dreams and desires for that boy. Tiffany's got dreams and desires. And and we get that because we like our daddy, Abba, father. He also has dreams and desires for you. That's why we have it. And we have stuff to give Nathan. Man, we have, we have lots of stuff that we want to bless him with. And in his future, there's stuff that we want to give him. He has to grow older. He can't ride a Harley at three years old. He has to learn how to get on a small bike and do all of it. But man, we want to bless him. Our heart's desire is for Nathan to be great. We want him to be a great husband one day. We want him to be a great nephew, a great cousin, a great older brother. That's our heart's desire for him. But in our house, in our little kingdom, there are rules and there's a way that Nathan gets blessed. And if he goes against those rules or that system, mommy and daddy are not going to bless him. It's just as simple as that even though our heart's desire is for him to be blessed by us. You see, every morning he will come to my bed, he'll wake up, he'll say, Daddy, Daddy, cereal. (laughs) So now we have to teach him. We have to teach. We have boxes of cereal. In Cereal is not the issue. Cereal is not the crux of this matter. The crux of this matter is him coming to me and saying, Please, Daddy, may I have some cereal? That's what we're trying to get into him. That's the rule in our little kingdom. And if he doesn't come according to that rule, we're not going to break our word. 
and we're not going to bless. Believe you me, I want him to have cereal. I want him to eat. But if he doesn't go according to the way that is right in the house, he's not going to get the cereal. And he stands for two minutes. Now he gets it. But in training him, in teaching him this, he'll stand there and he'll pull. And it's, it's difficult not for me to react. But he'll say, Daddy, cereal. Daddy, downstairs, cereal, cereal. I just ignore him. Flat out ignore him. for two. It's, it, it's the longest two minutes where he just... And then the light bulb goes on. And before he's even finished the word, I'm like, Oh, you want some cereal? Let's go downstairs. And I open the cupboard and... Which cereal do you want? We have more than one kind of cereal in our house. God has more than one kind of blessing for you. And when we come in the right manner and through the right channel, He will open the gates of heaven and He will say, what is in heaven? This is how you pray here on earth. But there's a channel. And if you're walking in pride, heavens are not open. They're open, but not to you in that manner. Because Nathan at three years old asking please means when he's six years old and he goes to a soccer club or whatever, he's going to speak to the coach and he's going to say please. When he's 12 years old and he goes somewhere, when he's 18 and he goes for an interview, please is just going to automatically because he's trained that way. And it's the same in the kingdom. God trains us so that we walk in the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Renew your mind. Kingdom so you can prove the perfect will of God. It's not against, he's not against you being great and being blessed. He wants you great and blessed. But there's just a certain way that we get great and get blessed. Genesis 12, we don't have time, but God says to Abraham, get out of your country. 12, 2, if we can put it there. He says, I will make your name great. God is not against people being great. He's against you making yourself great. That's all. He wants his desire, First Peter, for you to be great. He wants to exalt you. Because look how this, this is so, this little, it's a sneaky little circle. Because what happens is when we become great and we are exalted in the right fashion, in the right manner, and people look at men and say, wow, Seth, your worship. Oh my goodness, man, the Holy Spirit was just all over that. That's phenomenal. They're exalting Seth. What is Seth going to say? Oh yes, I've practiced so hard. You have no idea. That's not Seth's heart. What does Seth do? Who does he give the glory to? So when Seth is raised up, who gets the glory? God. That's, that's how it works. And, and now because he's humble, what comes? More grace. What does more grace do? Exalt more. There's no point where God says, that's high enough. You could, no further than that. That's it. Step down, son. End of, end of exalting. There's no line that is drawn where God says, that's enough. There's no more exaltation for you. There's a guy in the Bible that in the Old Covenant before Jesus that says he walked with God and then he was no more. 
That's the old covenant. He just walked so with God that God just exalted him to the point of, come up here. There's just, let me exalt you. There's no line where he says, back down, that's enough. He wants exaltation. He wants people to be lifted up. Which parent does not want their child to be great? Just don't make yourself great. That's all that God is against. So God gives us, in Matthew 6, he gives us the key, 6.33. We quote this verse and we know it and it's great, but, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. That's the method that God put in place. That's how we get all of this stuff, is by humbling ourselves and saying, I'm going to do it your way. And if that means pride is holding onto an issue, I'm going to let that issue go and I'm going to humble myself according to what you say it means to walk in humility. So seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. When we do anything else but seek first the kingdom, we're breaking protocol and he can't bless us. We can't receive the things of the kingdom when we don't seek the kingdom first. And what the enemy does is he fixes your eyes on that which you are seeking and he places so much emphasis there and he makes you look at that and the problem now becomes the big thing instead of the kingdom. So what happens now is you go and I go and we go after the healing because we're sick and our bodies are hurting and and things are happening and we go healing and we seek healing and we go after healing But the healing is in the kingdom. And when we seek first the kingdom and his way of being right, the healing will be added. But the enemy twists it and he says, focus on your money. You don't have enough money. Make sure you give. Make sure you pray. Because money, money. And you know what? The money and the abundance is in the kingdom. So when we seek the kingdom above the money, And his way of being right, you know what? The money will come. The healing will come. The peace will come. So how many of us are seeking the things, trying to make the kingdom work and prove the kingdom instead of seeking the kingdom, which will prove that all these other things will just come? That's what the enemy does. Seek ye first the kingdom and his And it's righteousness. All these things will be added. What does his righteousness mean? To walk in humility. Which means what? I cannot carry an anxious thought. His way of being right means I cannot carry a care myself. Because now I'm seeking the peace. I'm seeking the answer to this lack of peace or anxiousness that I have and all the time he's saying it's in the kingdom don't look for the answer to that it's in the kingdom seek first the kingdom and his way of doing things and all of that will come and too many people in the body today are seeking the things trying to prove that the kingdom is real when it should be seeking the kingdom first and these things just being added onto us Jesus said, and Pastor Chip prayed it today as well, um, 
Where is it, Jesus? Luke, Luke 12, 32. Jesus says, look what he says. Fear not, my little flock. You see, there's the fear again. The first thing you have to get rid of is the fear. So here comes Jesus, God, Son of Man, comes to people, standing to them, talking face to face, and saying to them, don't be afraid, little flock. It's your father's good. He could have just said, fear not, your father wants to give you the kingdom. That would have been great. Just the fact that Jesus came was enough. But he comes and he says, fear not, because I'm here. Kingdom is at hand. It's your father's, not pleasure, it's his good. Do you know that every single day, Psalm 139 says that every single thought that God has towards you is more than the sand on the whole entire earth? And every single one of those thoughts is a good one. Why would you walk in pride holding on to this care? When it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. He came and made it available. Walk in that. That's humility. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So in the kingdom that we are in, there are certain stipulations. If we want that, Romans 14 talks about kingdom is not of of eat and drink, but of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. How many of us today are walking in perfect? We are righteous, but there's a way of doing things right. Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. His His way of doing right. And all these things, the peace and the joy is part of the kingdom. It will be yours. And there are too many of us that are walking in pride, that are holding on to an anxious thought, a problem, an issue, and not getting the breakthrough because that's pride, according to the word. Do we see pride and humility the same way God sees it? Or have we been so infiltrated by the world that pride has a completely different explanation in the eyes of the world than what it does in the eyes of God? So, where's the grace in this? Here's the grace. If you are sitting in that chair today and God, the Holy Spirit, has made it clear in your heart that you are walking in pride or that I am walking in pride, which means that we have anxiousness, which means that we carry cares, which means that there's no peace in a certain circumstance in our life. He wants to come and give you grace. How does he do that? By casting that thing on him and saying, it's not in my hands anymore. I give this once and for all to you. And when I pray about this circumstance now, my prayer is going to be so different. It's not going to keep me up at night anymore. And when the enemy comes to my soul and he says, what about that thing? All I'm going to say is, I don't have it anymore. If you want to discuss it, go talk to God. I have cast that care upon him. So if you want to talk about that, I ain't got it no more. He 
is my caretaker. In other words, do you and I trust in Jesus that we can say, I know, I believe with everything my Savior that is in me that you want me to do well in this area. And I now take this care, this anxiousness, because you my caretaker, and I give it to you. Thank you that I don't carry this. It's not mine anymore. I humble myself under your mighty hand that I may be exalted because then you are going to get all the glory and the grace that you give me will enable me to walk through the situation and come out unscathed on the other side. If that is you, I want you to stand up right now. If you and I need to humble ourselves before God. Just look around. That's the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. That He came today and gave us a message and said, My child, I want you exalted. I want you to be free. But this is how you do it. And if you don't do it this way, I can't help you. I want to open the cupboard of heaven and say, Pick any cereal that you want. But if you don't go the kingdom way, that cupboard can't be opened. So, Lord Jesus, we come now. We thank you, Lord. Just bless him and praise him and give that thing to him now. Don't care who's standing next to you, listening to you. Father God, I give you this in the name of Jesus, Lord. I thank you that you are my caretaker. I thank you, Lord, that you are in control of my future. My children, Lord, how many children I have in Jesus' name. I give this to you, Lord. I cast this care upon you. It's not mine to bear anymore. I thank you, Lord, that I seek now in this the kingdom of God first. I receive now the grace to walk in this the way you want me to walk. Free from anxiousness. Free from fear. Free from anything that the enemy will cast at me, Lord. Thank you for your grace today, Holy Spirit, that you spoke to my heart. Thank you that you pierced through the darkness with your grace. Thank you that you showed me what was wrong so that I can repent, change my mind, change the way I walk, receive the ways of the kingdom. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We give you honor. We glorify your name. Thank you for your grace, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are free. We are free. We are free. Thank you, Jesus. We are free. Freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. No more burdens to be here. No more as we give them to you in Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Freedom. Freedom. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise Him.
Jesus. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. We give you all the glory and the honor. We will point them to you when they say, why are you so great? We will point them to you, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one who is worthy, the only one, Jesus our Messiah. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for speaking to us today and taking our cares because you are our caretaker. We love you and bless you. Jesus name. Do you have any prayer requests? Please